I want to talk today about the church as usual is coming to an end. And the thing that's going to replace it is a revelation-driven church. And it must emerge to fill the void that will soon exist as the church that we know today comes to an end. And around the world, the church as we know it is in trouble. Most church leaders are unaware that they are in trouble, or they have simply chosen to ignore the issues that the church that they're leading is facing. In some places, it is seriously dying, growing smaller every year. 20% decline a year is average for a church. 20% uh, decline due to deaths, moves, people leaving because they're angry. And so to remain steady at the number of people attending now, every year a church needs to grow 20%. And in some places, that's not happening. In fact, in most places, that is not happening. In most places, there's a decreasing life and a focus on the format and the ritual, on tradition and on religion. And 2 Timothy 3.5 says that many churches, many believers will have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power, its life-changing, life-transforming power, and avoid such people. In some places, the church has fallen into heresy, teachings that are not biblical. And the church grows still, but it's sliding away from the biblical Christian doctrine and becoming a cult or a sect. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, we read, They're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And that's that kind of church. And they also are in trouble. And in some places, there are what we call man-made moves of God, where the churches are growing, but it's by programming and by hype, charismatic leaders who are tickling ears. And the main charismatic leader is the key to that church growing and then surviving. And if the main charismatic leader dies, then the church eventually dies as well. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> we read the following. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And lastly, in some places the church is growing quickly and attracting young people, but these young people soon recognize that the structures and the traditions are in many ways hampering and hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit, and they're maturing and growing into a good ministry. And so they don't stay. They look elsewhere, or they plant a new expression of the church. My point is this. To continue to be a life-giving church, we need to recognize that we're entering a season of change, and then we need to respond to the direction and the moving of the Spirit in that season of change. And everywhere I go, I hear people desperately crying out for the end of the church as we know it. Leaders who are sensitive to the moving of God's Spirit and the seasons in the kingdom understand that the Spirit of God is creating a disturbance, a dissatisfaction, and a yearning inside the believers and in the leaders for a brand new wine. And new wine, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, requires new wine skins. Matthew 9, verse 17, Jesus says, 
Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilt and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. This moving of the spirit causing a disturbance, a dissatisfaction, a yearning, I call that feeling divine discontent. And it helps us, motivates us to move forward into what the Lord is beginning to show us, even when we don't know all the details. And so we are in a season of massive change and adjustment uh, and so much divine discontent. And the church needs to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we need to be obedient to this feeling of divine discontent that we have. And then God's people need to refocus and put the kingdom first in their lives. Like Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom. And all these other things we think about, worry about, are anxious over and work towards, those will be added to us. Now, not everyone is going to respond to the moving of the Spirit. Not every church will recognize the prompting of the Spirit to move forward. And many false teachers and prophets and apostles will arise and deceive many. Jesus told us that in Matthew 24, 24. Apostles and prophets today believe that there will be major changes and adjustments needed as we come to the end of the COVID restrictions and learn to live in a post-COVID reality. We believe that many who have not attended a live worship service during COVID will realize that not attending has not changed anything in their lives, and so they will not return. We realize that there will be a spirit-driven remnant that will recognize the nudging of the spirit, and that this remnant will function both in the church and then from the church into the world, simply following the leading of the Spirit. They will no longer be interested in religious activities for the sake of activity. I have people write me from all around the world pleading for assistance in finding this type of church where they live. They have been aggressively searching for a vibrant church marked by supernatural revelation. And they're disappointed, deeply disturbed by what they see and experience in the church today. They're looking for the church that Jesus is building. And he did promise to build his church in Matthew 16, 18. And these churches that he is building are hard to find but they are rising out of the graveyard of religion, tradition, and denominationalism. And it's good to remember that all of these churches were originally birthed in a revival, a move of the Spirit. All these religious, traditional, and denominational churches were all originally birthed in a revival, a move of the Spirit. They had vision, they had momentum, and they were moving in the power of the Spirit. But you know, it just takes two generations for a church to move from life to death. The second generation hears the stories of the founding group, but by the time the third generation comes on scene, the stories are just a memory, and no one attending has ever experienced and encountered God in a life-changing way. And so the church that was born in the fires of revival is now living in the ashes. So church as usual, is coming to an end. An apostolic prophetic 
revelation-driven churches must emerge to fill the void. And these churches will become known as revelation-driven churches. They'll also be called apostolic prophetic churches, Holy Spirit-sensitive churches, life-giving churches, God-welcoming churches. So let's talk about the marks of a revelation-driven church. Number one, they will be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Leaders of these churches will be given to an insane amount of fellowship with the Holy Spirit throughout the week, every day of the week. And so they will be supernaturally alert night and day. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. In the Russian Bible, it's 13.13. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we need to be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. The result will be leadership that's marked by a powerful move of the Holy Spirit when they minister. Every decision, every service, every message will be branded by the active rhema revelation of the Spirit of God. And rhema means a now word of the Lord for the people. Not just teaching the word of God, but really expressing the now word that God wants the people to hear. Because it's the rhema word that brings faith. It's the rhema word that releases life. And dreams and visions will be normal among the leaders and the members alike because in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, it talks about old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, and the Holy Spirit will fall on all flesh and will be able to prophesy. The entire culture of the church, a revelation-driven church, will be driven by this critical fellowship with the Holy Spirit where revelation is received and acted upon directing the life of the local church. Secondly, a revelation-driven church will be fueled by prayer, a lot of intercession. But the only way to develop and sustain a revelation-driven church is to first develop and sustain a serious focus on prayer. And so a large portion of the teaching of this kind of a church must be devoted to supernatural prophetic prayer. And so there will be two emphases, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and prophetic prayer, which means listening for the voice of God and then responding to that voice. So in this way, the church will be praying in line with the Word of God, the Bible, and the will of God, the revelation the people are receiving. And 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. In other words, answered prayer will become the norm. So the church will be teaching continually on prayer, especially prophetic prayer, and praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. You know, People in general in the church need to understand how to pray. How to hear the voice of God. John 10 verses 3, 4 and 16 says we can hear the voice of God. We know which voice of many voices are is the voice of God. And we need to be obedient to the voice of God. So we need to teach our people why we need to pray. How to yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer and life in general. That's Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. 
how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power that we have through praying in tongues, how to receive and manage prophetic revelation, how to pray the scriptures, how to develop intimacy with Jesus, which is the real foundation of all prayer, and as were mentioned earlier, how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then when we've been teaching this for a while, there'll be a culture of raging, expressive, authoritative, night and day prayer that will overtake the whole of the church. People who don't pray as a primary call must be challenged and given continual opportunities to jump on board because we need the whole church joining in serious prayer. And then we will truly wage war against the spirit of the age, as well as the spirit of religion and the spirit of tradition. And then we will walk in extremely powerful authority. So we need to understand this culture of prayer must form the foundation of every aspect of the life of the church, so that it is then life-giving in all aspects of her corporate life. There's an example of that in history, and that's the Moravian prayer movement, which started in the mid-1700s and went for a hundred years and um, changed the face of the church around the world and sent more missionaries out than any other church movement, Holy Spirit movement, has ever done. So if you go to my website, www.ralphhowministries.com, and just type in Moravian Prayer Movement, um, that's M-O-R-A-V-I-A-N, Prayer Movement, you'll come up with a document which will give you a little bit of the history of that movement. The third aspect or part of the life of a revelation-driven church is that it will be unpredictable and spontaneous. The days of predictable, scheduled, ordered church services must come to an end. We have become so enamored with human order in the church that the Holy Spirit and biblical order is completely rejected or at least neglected. The church that Jesus is building will be unpredictable and spontaneous. And it will look like it's out of order, but it's not in God's eyes, as he is a God of order. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, all things should be done decently and in order. So as we're following the move of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit, we will be much more unpredictable and much more spontaneous, but we will still have order. Revelation-driven church services will have some of the elements that we now see in a regular gathering, like worship, although worship will be mostly praying and singing in the Spirit. And that worship will bring a revelation, a word from the Lord, a prophecy. And the revelation will take us into intercession or into prayer. And from this time of worship and prayer, leadership will give a prophetic message that will be right in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing in that moment. And this will release life because Jesus said his words, the rhema words, a now word from God, are spirit and they are life, John 6, 63. And as a result, lives will be transformed, not just informed. Hearts will be touched, not just heads informed. 
So the Holy Spirit will move in the assembly and there will be worship, prophetic direction, declaration, prophetic prayer, instruction, healing, deliverance. Prophetic revelation will fill the room and the time of the saints coming together will be directed by the Spirit. And if the leaders and the people are not fellowshipping with the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, then the tendency will be for them to begin to take control. And as they do so in the flesh, they will quench the move of the Holy Spirit. And of course, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21 tells us, don't do that. The fourth aspect of a revelation-driven church is that it will be thinking and have a vision regionally, nationally, and internationally. It will be focused outside of itself. And there's a deep grieving in the spirit realm when churches become focused on and driven to grow the church numerically, focusing only on growing the church that you are attending. We need to understand numerical growth, when done right, can be healthy, and God does want the church to grow. We see in Scripture that God added to the church daily in Acts 2.47, not programs, God added. Now, he may have used programs, but it is God who adds to our numbers, and God who places each person that he adds, places them where he needs them within the local church and the ministry of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. However, the compromise that has taken over the church is that we tend to see this type of growth only... Let me reword that better. The compromise that has overtaken the church in order to see this type of numerical growth is truly grieving to the Spirit. And the compromise being that the truth is not taught in its fullness and sin is not dealt with in individual lives or in the corporate life of the body of Christ, the local church. So in the revelation-driven church, instead of focusing on the growth of their local church, those who are embracing the revelation-driven model of the church, the apostolic prophetic church, will be mostly interested in what God is doing regionally and nationally. They will be kingdom-focused, not me-focused, not church-focused. They will be focused on saving the lost and expanding the kingdom, not just adding to the local church. They will be focused on what the Holy Spirit is doing and getting involved with Him. They will be focused on the new wineskin that Jesus is creating and birthing for the new wine. And that's Matthew 9.17. We saw it earlier. And this will mean dealing with regional, national, and international issues in an intelligent manner. Issues like the abortion issue now coming back into the news, the environmental issues that young people are very interested in, the whole area of DNA manipulation, the awareness of the LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer group, the addictions, alcohol, drugs, pornography, spousal abuse, COVID-19. Leaders will train the people and equip them to minister within this rapidly changing world with all of these issues we are dealing with and all that is confronting the Christian faith and our beliefs. It is a battle, 
and it's a battle against the deadly, raging spirit of the age that destroys people and nations. And so Jude, verse 3, says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And the word contend there is to fight, like going out on the street and entering into a street brawl. So we need to be equipped in a revelation-driven church to deal with current issues that exist in the regional, national, and international world. Number five, everybody's going to be participating, not just attending. Church, as usual, will be a thing of the past. That means where there's a team up front leading worship and picking a song list, where the paid professional does the preaching, where only the elders can pray for people and minister, where women are not allowed to lead or to teach. All of that will be coming to an end. Leaders will no longer ask for volunteers to fill positions. Leaders will not try to find jobs for everyone, hoping that keeping them busy and engaged is the answer to keeping them interested in the church. While everybody isn't ready for leadership in the church, everyone should be given opportunity to pray, to prophesy, to evangelize, and to minister. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And every member of the body, by the way, has a function, just like in your physical body. And back in the 1990s, Prophet Bill Hammond spoke of this, the church muzzling the people for too long. And he called it a movement of the saints. And I believe that we're entering that time. Number six, everybody will have a prophetic assignment. Every church will have a prophetic assignment. Every person will have a prophetic assignment. When you successfully lead a deeply prophetic culture in the church, God will be talking a lot. And this prophetic leading must be rightly responded to because we're going to be hearing many prophetic assignments and these prophetic assignments will emerge through the prophetic revelations and people will be released for ministry and into ministry evangelism, new church plants, reviving dead churches in that are currently entrenched in religion, destroying spiritual strongholds, marketplace ministries. New ministries will be birthed as the saints move out in the power of the Spirit and from the revelation they have received. The saints will continue to learn, to grow and mature. And we will see the body dynamically moving from season to season and assignment to assignment. Everybody will have a part to play as we advance as a unified army into the darkness and see people come into the light. Number seven, we will have Holy Spirit meetings. In the past, when I first got saved over 40 years ago, these were called believers meetings but I'm calling them Holy Spirit meetings. <clears throat> it's church services where the Holy Spirit um, will be welcomed and where we, the people in the service, will be sensitive to the manifest presence of the Spirit. And everyone present will experience and encounter the Holy Spirit. 
The New Testament church is a movement of believers who are praying continually and ministering with great authority in the region. And they were seeing the Lord add daily those who were being saved, Acts 2.47. Of course, the lost can come and will, and will come in to the church service, but the focus of the meeting will not change. If you see 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 and 25, where an unbeliever was totally convinced of the presence of God and that God knew him and loved him through the supernatural ministry of the Spirit. The focus of the meeting will be, regardless of whether you're saved or unsaved, to hear the Spirit and to hear what the Spirit is saying and to respond and thus glorify God. <clears throat> the extreme activity of the Holy Spirit will be maintained and people will encounter and experience the life-giving, life-changing Spirit. His presence, His power, His peace, His provision, and these believers' meetings will be white-hot, supernatural, and otherworldly, producing believers who are on fire, equipped, and released to walk in and minister in the power of the Spirit. A little different than what we experience today. Number eight, and there is only nine. Number eight, <clears throat> this revelation-driven church will be focused on spiritual growth. The goal of the church, the goal of each individual believer, will be obedience so that they can impact the culture and the community in which they live, and they will be responding rightly and immediately to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. The focus will not be growth, but the focus will bring about growth in the church. So growth can and will happen, but you know, growing a church numerically is not an indication, uh, automatic indicator of health or success. In fact, most churches that respond to the new spiritual reality will be pruned. And as we develop a regular church into a revelation-driven church, many of them will grow smaller before they grow powerful. Those who just want to sit and receive will become uncomfortable and leave. So we're looking for that rare person who will sign up to be part of this new wine, this revelation-driven church, so we can expect smaller numbers because of that. So the goal, when we focus on spiritual growth, is not just growth in numbers within the church, it's growth spiritually so that we are rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in his word, and we are powerful ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The goal is to go deep, to grow spiritually so that we can impact our community because we're supposed to go into all the world. Matthew 28, 19. We're supposed to minister the life-changing gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 24, 14. We are to reach the lost. Luke 19, 10. And we're to welcome everyone into the church. But because of this, there has to be no compromise. Many programs will simply come to an end. Things will become somewhat uncomfortable to those who are not serious about moving in revelation, moving with the Spirit. 
Believers will not be able to just sit and absorb. They will be asked to become involved. And the church, because of this, will become a powerful place where people are challenged to grow and to become ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors of the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. And last but not least, number nine, in a revelation-driven church, the teachings will be deep and the teachings will be very seriously challenging. The teachings will be by revelation, a prophetic revelation. <clears throat> the teacher will have already been pierced and changed by the message that he or she is preaching. No longer will a teacher or preacher just present information for the sake of information that few people will act on or apply. The messages that will come forth in a revelation-driven church will absolutely rock everyone who hears them, and many will reject such an anointing because it demands a costly response. But those who respond will become sharp, full of fire, and mighty ministers in the hands of God. So God is creating a revelation-driven church, a prophetic church, an apostolic prophetic church. And it, the task that we have as believers, and if you're a leader of a local church, the task you have as a leader is to embrace what the Holy Spirit is doing and be willing to remove the new old, old wine skin so that you can receive the new wine. And this new wine skin that will receive the new wine is going to be radically different than what we now know as church. Because, as I said from the very beginning, the church as we know it is coming to an end. Revelation-driven churches are going to emerge to fill the void.